You know, the one constant about the presence of the Holy Spirit throughout our ages, it brings freedom, it brings healing, it brings revelation, but it also offends some. It's amazing how the quickest way of offending people in a church is allowing the Holy Spirit to be who he is in the church. And then everybody will be offended. How does that work? It's like being a guest in somebody's home and you get offended by them being the owners of the home. Ever seen that? That's funny. Well, we'll release the children to go. Thank you, kids. You are awesome. And this morning, I just want to briefly Don't hold me to it. The intention is to share briefly what I feel God is doing in my heart. <clears throat> and that's what I feel God is inviting us as a church, as a community. And that's what he's also inviting the body of Christ to Uh, like Nicole earlier shared, I feel last weekend was more than an event. Um, it was a groundbreaking event. There was uh, a break in the ground. And when there is a break deep enough in the ground, you get the table, water stone, crack, and the water starts springing up. There's a groundswell that is happening because we tapped in into the uh, underground oasis. And it's something that is not just coming for you or for us. It's something that is coming for everybody. And how we are able to tap into that and receive that and walk into the fullness of that will totally depend on how we align our hearts. Probably when I read the Bible, one of the moments that I find the saddest moments and one of the most greatest heartbreaking moments through scripture is when he says he came to his own and his own esteemed him not. And one of the greatest prayers, the cries of Jesus 
is when he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I desire to gather you like a hen gathers its chicks. Probably throughout the church history, a sad moment is when God's people fail to recognize a moment and a time of their visitation. When we fail to recognize our time of visitation. And those are the times where the testimony goes like, we almost had it. We could smell it. We could test it. It was within the grasp of our fingers. And somehow it just... And somehow it just like slid past our fingers like butter. So it is something that I'm more determined about is to awaken the church to a place of sensitivity that will smell the moment a hundred miles away. But if we can tune and calibrate the hearts of the church to what Elijah had when the cloud of the presence was just the size of a fist of a man, and he said, yeah, it's about to rain. Because I can see in the clear blue cloud, there is a little, in the clear blue sky, there is a little cloud, the the size of a man's fist. How was the incredible thing is it doesn't say let's wait for it to get bigger. It's very small, very minute. You can hardly see it. Throw up your paints and start running. That's the most incredible thing. So, uh, I remember last weekend I read from Psalm 24. It's been on my heart. And probably you hear a lot of uh, me talk for the next uh, little while. What I mean is for the next few years. (laughs) Psalm 24. Today we'll just read, start from verse 4. Three. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? I feel this is an invitation that God is making to us as a church. It's not a question about who may, it's a question of who wants to. Who wants to stand, who wants to ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who wants to stand in his holy place? And this is an invitation I'm taking personally and seriously. At my heart is, I want to, Lord. And the goodness of God comes with answers. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So if the question is, who wants to ascend to the mountain of the Lord? 
who wants to stand in his holy places, he who chooses to have clean hands, and he who chooses to have clean heart. See, mostly when we look at the scriptures, the church, we look at it the wrong way. We look at it from a place of inferiority, from a place of condemnation and sin. You've got to look at it from the way he's looking at to you through the cross of Christ. Probably this is the coolest invitation ever and also the easiest invitation to respond to. Because the requirement of what is needed to be in that place of right standing with God, it's something that you don't have to do. It's something that Christ has already done for you. It's so cool. And the fact that the qualification to come to the mountain of the Lord and to stand before the Lord is based on something that you don't have to do, but on something that Jesus already did. It's something that excites me because everybody is instantly qualified. <laughs> everybody is instantly qualified. To ascend to the mountain of the Lord. And everybody is qualified to come in his holy presence. Because Jesus has already made every requirement. And all we got to do is to say, yeah, I want that. Yeah. Now, the cool thing about this is. If it's that easy, if it is that simple, why do we find it difficult to step into that place of incredible invitation? Let's read a little bit further. For we said, he with who has what? Come on, talk to me, baby. He who has what? Clean hands. And what? A pure heart. What does clean hands speak of? Your actions, your deeds, things you do. So, a simple clue there is, if we want to get to the mountain of the Lord, we got to be mindful of things we do. We got to be mindful of our actions. Because there's only one action you and I were born for. is to manifest the kingdom of God. It's to manifest the goodness and the glory of God. That these hands he made, why did he make them? According to that song. These hands you made. What for? I was made. 
start getting to a place of taking account what we'll put our hands on. You see, I know I'm very particular about what people have been doing with their hands before they hand me my food. Yeah. Some people go to a little room and after they've been to a little room, they're very nice and say, Papa, can I get you an ice block? No, I know where you've been. And I know what you didn't do. Say, where our hands have been do not disqualify us. But where our hands have been limit our access. Sounds the same, but there's an incredible difference. See, the idea is it's not because of Where you are, you are not acceptable before God. But what God has for you is of a higher calling that if you want to ascend to that higher place, you got to choose to walk a higher standard. Does that make sense? And what does a clean heart speak of? A clean heart speak of our inner attitudes. Many times we do right things with a heart in a wrong place. But if we are to come to the holy place of the Lord, we got to have our hearts in the right place. Our heart attitude in the right place. Probably one of the things I've heard went too many this week during the school is God is calling us to a higher place. But for us to get to a higher place, we got to choose to give up certain things that hold us back from ascending to that higher place. Yeah? A good heart attitude is like a helium balloon. It goes up and up and up and up. And a bad heart attitude is like a lead balloon. It sinks down and down and down and down, 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 down. There's another little part. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol. What is an idol? 
An idol can be many things to many of us. Anything that we place in our lives above God in our hearts. Anything that becomes a stumbling and a hindrance through which we cannot see. Anything that stands between us and God. The things we struggle to give up on so we can be in that place of intimacy with God. Anything that robs of your, steals your intimacy with God. So the general idea is, if we are to come to a place of intimacy with God, we cannot have other lovers apart from him. If we are to come to a place of greater intimacy with him, we can never have things that are greater place of affection in our hearts over him. So God is inviting us to come to a higher place. But if we are to step into the fullness of what God has for us, we got to choose to go deeper with him in a place of intimacy. And we can never go deeper in a place of intimacy if we've got things in between that are robbing us of the intimacy, that are robbing us of that place where we have uh, an interrupted flow of relating with him. And some of the idols in our hearts, there's nothing wrong with them. Nothing bad with them. It's just that God is calling you to a greater and higher place. Okay? You see, it was okay for everybody in Israel to drink wine. It wasn't okay for Samson to drink wine. Why? Because God called him for something unique and special and specific that he didn't call the rest of Israel to. And our internal conflict becomes about what others are doing, what others are allowed to do, and what we are not or what we shouldn't. So the thing should always be about what is it that God is calling you to. And for every purpose and thing that God is calling you to, what is it you have to lay down in order to ascend to that higher place? See, the funniest thing, you like this story, Barry. Uh, we're casting out demons in Africa. This lady had uh, special demons. <laughs> Whenever she had a school, college, university exam coming ahead, these special demons would give her a dream about all the questions in the exam. How about that? 
Ever heard of such demons? You can call them spirit guides in this country because it sounds fancy, but it's one and the same thing. It's a demon. So she'll have a dream and he'll give her answers for the whole questions for the next exam. And then she made a mistake. She came to church the day before an exam. And, we, and the demon was cast out. And then at the end of the service, she realizes what had just happened. The demon is gone, and she's got an exam tomorrow. And then she starts lamenting. But I want my demon back. Can we get rid of it after the exam? I, want, I need it for tomorrow. <laughs> I need it for tomorrow. Please give it back. And sometimes that's how an idol looks like in our hearts. That we are willing to pass out on the destiny and the invitation of God for a momentary gratification you see that in, in the Bible when uh, Paul cast the spirit of uh, fortune telling and the guys realized Paul has cast out this demon we're going to go broke there won't be any fortune telling anymore I know for me, I feel I'm called into a season of extended rest and pursuing intimacy with him. And the conscious choice I am making is to lay down anything that gets in the way of that. See, God has called and invited every one of us. And this invitation has been a journey. And for some of you, you've been in the same plateau for too long a time. And what we mostly say is, God, how long am I going to be in this place? Lord, make something change. See, he's waiting for you to give up on certain things before you can proceed to the next place he's calling you to. But the issue is we're hanging on to certain things and waiting God for divinely, supernaturally to boom us to the next place. He so much wants to. I remember I was saying that to the school 
it was 2008 for me. After a prolonged season in the wilderness, and I just had an encounter with an incredible, tangible, physical manifestation of Jesus. When he spoke to me, and he said, Charles, the Father and I desire to build on your life. We want to build bigger and taller. But the way your life was, we could not build any further. So before we could build any further, the father and I had to come down and repair the cracks in the foundations. See, the idea is not that you are not good enough. The thought is that what he wants to entrust with you, to you, is so big and so heavy that unless the foundations in your life are repaired, you will fall under the weight of the responsibilities calling you to. Does that make sense? And through that, I was able to see his grace, his kindness, and his goodness. That he's a good father. When he calls us, he calls us to excel. He calls us to succeed at what he calls us to. His heart is never to call any one of us to set us up for failure. That's not his heart. And that's why he takes every time and every opportunity to build our character. To strengthen the foundations of uh, our lives. Because the higher he needs to take you, the deeper he needs to go. Aye? The higher he needs to take you, the deeper you gotta go. And I just want to encourage some of you where you feel you've been faithful for many years and there is very little fruit to show for. From time to time, I go to Redcliffe area where they're building those high-rise units. You've seen that? The most amazing thing is you could see like for nine months or more all you're seeing on the website is a big ditch. Like for nine months, these guys are just digging the ditch. Nothing to show for it. All you can see when you look at the big ditch is all the rubbish that has been dug up. Because it takes time to get the foundations right. And the Lord, the God, your heavenly Father, he's a master builder. He takes so much pride in his work. <laughs> he takes so much pride in his work. He wants, when he's done with you, 
he could confidently say to what he said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? Look, how incredibly awesome I've done. And after nine months of rubbish and dirt and mud and everything else, and then I go there after six weeks, I find there is a building on it. The foundation takes longer. What everybody else can see, what is done in privacy, what is done in your hidden in your season of hiddenness takes longer and you never get the recognition for it. You never get pats on the back because nobody ever saw you do it. Probably the most incredible or difficult work for a real estate agent is to sell a house on the plan. That means people can't see anything. All they can see is that heap of garbage. And then you say, would you like to buy a three-bedroom unit over that heap of garbage? People can't see it, can't visualize it, and can't invest into that. But once it comes up, and there's nice little pretty balconies, everybody wants to buy in. And that also encourages me and brings me to another point. And that is a spirit of prophecy. Being able to see an incredibly complete, finished, five-bedroomed house on the heap of the garbage. It's all plumbing and wires and pipes and dirt. When God looks at your work site... We got to learn to see what God sees on each other. Seeing beyond the pile of garbage. Seeing beyond the plumbing. I see a complete, finished, perfected destiny. So that was Jesus saying to me, and a father desires to build in you. Big and stronger. But we had to finish the foundation. And what I sense for me is we've done incredibly very well in that season. But we're getting into a season where the Father wants to add another layer. And every season... He wants to add another layer in our lives. He calls us greater yet to a greater place of depth of intimacy. Because there's never going higher without going deeper. There's never going higher without going deeper, without getting lower and lower. And law.
So, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He with clean hands and a pure heart. Because Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, because they shall see God. We never come to the place of having an encounter with God without choosing purity in heart. It's not that we are bad people. It's only that God is holy. And those that answer his call must be holy. Because his call to you and I is be holy for I am holy. And what is holiness? Holiness is being in a place of oneness with him. Because we can never be truly one with anybody unless we're heading the same direction. Right? We cannot be one unless we are in the same place. And God's place is a place of holiness. He is not inviting us to be holy to disqualify us. He is inviting us to be holy so we may be in a place of oneness with him. See, the thing is, we can hang on to certain things and still go to heaven. Only that we miss out to walking a life on a higher place. Come up here, is the word of the Lord to you. Come up. Come up higher. Come up higher. You see, he's not calling you to be better than everybody else. He's just calling you to step into your destiny. That's all. That's all. I want that. I can test God's heart for the nations. I can hear the beating, the throb of his heart for you and for this community. And sometimes it's just a lot much easier to go with the flow and do what everybody else is doing. It'll be easier, you'll be popular for it, but that's not the point. 
The point is not calling you to be everybody else. I believe as a church, we do have a unique calling to this nation that only can be expressed and shared and imparted to the nations through and by you guys being authentic to what God is calling you to do and to be in this place. It doesn't make you any better than any other church. It will just make you true to your destiny. If we would allow the kingdom of God to manifest through the destiny and the purposes of God through this church community, what does a manifestation of that look like to the hungry, to the lost, and to the seekers. I'm not inviting us to pursue some other special church program. I'm inviting us to step into destiny. Let's enjoy the time and the seasons of hiddenness because the Lord is about to blow the lead on it. And when that happens, what defines us is not the manifestation, is a relationship. Is our heart connection. Not only with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but with one another. Because if there cannot be a demonstrable love between one another, What good is the rest if the world would only know that we are the sons of God by the love we have for each other? For so long, churches have had very good programs. Half of them were our programs. And not his. <laughs> what would it look like if the church embarked on the Father's business? What would it look like? Okay. If we just simply allowed the kingdom of heaven to permeate through every choice and thing that we do.
can you feel it? Can anybody feel it? It just feels like if you get a, a good stick and pull it up, you just get a... Is it when we used to have uh, a marquee and uh, when it rains and the water collects on the, in the thing and you could feel the wetness of it and if you just poke through it and it just gushes down. It's just the uh, electric sense of anticipation of what the Spirit is doing and wants to do. We've been through the season of teaching the Father's heart and teaching the kingdom where the Lord is bringing in another layer where we'll teach and preach the Father's heart and demonstrate the kingdom and the Father's heart. The teaching was for the church and now the demonstration for the prodigals. Now you and I are invited to a place of being a moving, living demonstration and illustration of what the gospel is. I just excites me. Isn't time that the Lord sets you on fire and the world came and watched you burn? Isn't that George Whitfield who was asked, how do you prepare for the service? As I just set myself on fire and the world comes to watch me burn. Let's burn for him. Let's burn for righteousness. Let's burn for the kingdom. Let's burn for Jesus. Now the world will come to this place and watch Jesus in action. And I just ask, and let the church once again be a place where ambulances drive to. Because the sick, they were told, there's no hope for them. And they heard, if you take me to church, it will be well. 
Let the church be a place where juvenile detention centers will be emptied into. Because I heard if you take these kids to church, they will have a hard encounter with Jesus and they will be transformed from the inside out and they will never be the same. Let the church be a place again where struggling marriages and families would flock to because they heard if they get in that place with Jesus, families will be healed. The hearts of the sons will be turned to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers will be turned to their sons. Lord, I just ask, let the church once again be like the cave of Abdullam, where all the desperate, the disadvantaged, the indebted would run to, because there is a place they can go to and find hope and find salvation. I was blessed during the gathering of the kingdom tribe when I got a, a message from a gay lady a lesbian and she asked is this event LGBTI friendly IQ friendly and it was a real test and challenge about where we are at the church Are we going to be a community that is genuinely accepting for all who are seeking? And we say, we'd love to see you there. Because a lot of people are seeking and they're looking all they want is a place that would receive them as they are and then watch God work through them and in them. People got to come as they are. Wouldn't that be entertaining? If they came as they are and we took front row seat and watched God work in their hearts. That will make church exciting every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday of the day. Can church become that once again? I remember when Nicky Cruz showed up at church at David Wilkerson's church. He is a thief. And what does a pastor do to the thief? Ask the thief, armed with a 32 revolver, to collect offering. <laughs> yeah. 
on the day David Wilkerson asked the thief to collect offering, they collected the most money in the entire history of the church to that point. Yes, because the thief collected offering gang style. <laughs> With a gun. A gun on one hand and a bucket. I know the, worst, the best thing is people had wallets back then and they get a wallet with $200 and they put five bucks in there. He just points the gun in his head and say, more. <laughs> and people were emptying their entire wallet in the bucket. And when they're being too slow, he just grabs the wallet off them and gets to what he wants out of them, throw the empty wallet back at them. It was two gangs, you know that story? Two gangs made to, for a good bash up. So one gang is collecting on one side of church, the other gang is collecting on the other side of church. And after they finish collecting, they're asking each other, Oh, Nicky, what do we do with the money? And Nick thinks about it, give it to the preacher. The thing is, We've believed in a God so puny and so small that requires the church to defend him. That if the church doesn't defend him, he's going to fall apart. What if we believed in the true God who's so huge and so big, he doesn't need you to stand up for him. And the possibilities are endless. Anyway, I said I'll speak briefly. So, I finish. <laughs> Any guys get the sense of what the Spirit is doing? You just jump into this thing. Ross said it will be messy. Yeah, that's the fun of it. I remember when Benjamin was, not this Benjamin, the other Benjamin, when he was small, he used to do what babies do. They pee, they do this and that. So we decided if he's going to pee, let's just get the nappy and the undies off him. And then he can just go and just pee everywhere. <laughs> and then by the end of the day, just drive a mop through every corner of the house and we'll be all right. And it was amazing how much money we saved because we didn't do much washing as we did before.
Ano yun yung man? Ping! <laughs> See, the thing is, uh, that becomes a problem about the mess when we build the sanitized churches we have. God never called the church to be sanitized. He just called it to be holy. But what did we do? We became sanitized and unholy. Uh, okay, stop it. <laughs> All right, let's stand. Oh, when Judeo was born, it was like, okay. <laughs> you know the drill. <laughs> um, what is it the Father is calling you to? And whatever the Father is calling you to, you got to make a choice. To say yes to it. But more than that, you got to have the courage to do what you need to do to step into the fullness of what the Father is calling you to. You got to have the courage If it is a call like Samson, where you go, I'm not going to touch dead things. That was part of the Nazarene call. They weren't allowed to touch anything dead because they were called for life. They were sanctified for life. Their everyday encounter had to be life. They spoke life, lived life, breathed life, and walked life. And that's why they couldn't even drink wine, because it was dead. Fermented. So, uh, I, I think... Yep. Um, the funniest thing about this question is a lot of us already know what we need to give up. <laughs> it's just about having the courage to say, okay, God, I'm choosing you and destiny over this thing. Can I give you a minute to have a little talk with the Holy Spirit? 
And I feel some of us want to batter with the Holy Spirit. Good luck. Have a go. Negotiate. 